Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are UFC 270 live from California, one round closer to the Super Bowl, previewing the NFL divisional round playoff games, coaching changes in the NFL, what's next for the franchises looking for new head coaches. The NBA season is halfway through, who's been hot and who has not. A crazy college basketball season it has been so far. Picks and analysis for our five college basketball games of the week. And with that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cal. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a, what night is a Thursday night, I guess, in Matt's basement. We had to take last week off. We had a little uh, COVID issue of our own we had to deal with in the in the studio here. So we're, we're just glad to be back live here in the studio again and uh, reaching out to the fans. So you know, welcome everybody back and thanks for, you know, bearing with us here. And like Colton said, we got a exciting show tonight. A lot of stuff going on, man. Sports is our, the sports world's just blowing up right now. So like he said, we're going to, we're going to start off with a little, uh, UFC, the, the squared octagon or the, what they call it? The, oh, I don't Anyway, in the octagon, <laughs> I lost my train of thought here. Got too excited. <laughs> so we got UFC 270 this weekend, like Colton said, um, and actually, there's two uh, titles on the line this weekend, one in the heavyweight division and one in the flyweight division. And the difference between these two divisions is double. Yeah. Flyweights are like a buck 25 and the heavyweights are 245, 250. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it should be pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff, though. Colton, I know you got you have plans to to purchase the fight and watch it this weekend. So we'll let you get started with a little little UFC news. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like dad said, this is uh UFC 270. It's going to be live from Anaheim, California at the, at the Honda center. So, you know, pretty big event and, you know, pretty big, pretty big stage. So going to be exciting stuff. And, you know, the, the fight's taking place on, on Saturday. I think, you know, the, the early, early fights, you know, start at, at 7 PM. So, you know, and then after that, just, you know, one fight after the other. And, um, but yeah, like dad said too, Two big, two you know, great uh, title fights, you know, here to, to to you know, kind of wrap up the wrap up the night. But uh, you know, the first one there is the um, the flyweight title title fight between uh, uh, Davison Figueredo, who comes in twenty two and one, and then uh, the the current champion or you know belt holder is uh, Brandon Moreno at nineteen five and and two. And um, this is actually going to be the the third time that these guys are are squaring off against mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Um, you know, in the in the first in the first round or you know first fight, it was a it was a draw. Um, and then round round two, uh, back in back in June, uh, Moreno took the took the belt away from from Frigoretto. So um, you know, hats hats off to him. So he's looking to you know defend that that title against the guy that you know held the title there for for a while. And you know, prior to to Moreno taking taking the belt, you know they they thought. Figueredo was going to hold that belt for for a while just you know not a not a whole lot of competition in that in that flyweight division but you know Moreno came out in the in that you know second fight and you know was able to you know submit submit uh, Figueredo and then you know take take the title and we'll see if he's up to the test to to keep that keep that title belt and uh it's I think it's going to be going to be an interesting interesting one of uh you know kind of kind of I think a tactician kind of kind of fight mm-hmm. um you know Figueredo he is he is the older of elder you know kind of the elder statesman of the of the two um i believe he's you know 34 you know 34 35 you know coming into this fight and moreno's a little bit little bit younger i think 28 or 29 coming into this one so 
Um, I think I think stamina is going to come, you know, play a big a big part in in this. And you know, I think it was a big big thing in in round, you know, in that second fight between the two is, uh, you know, can can Figueredo keep that stamina up? Can he, you know, uh, last last into the later rounds? Or you know, I think that was a big thing in in the second one. And Moreno kind of was able to get him tired a little bit, and then you know find his you know find that right time to to strike and and make his move. And he definitely did that. And you know, I think I think definitely uh, Moreno has has the opportunity here. He he seems to be the hungry, you know, the hungriest of of the two. Even you know, in that second fight, he seemed to be real hungry coming into it. And I think he's gonna you know keep keep uh, having that kind of passion and, and hungerness, you know, going into this into this one. Good I think deal. I think he holds on to the the belt there. Right. So yeah, yeah, like, like Colton said, that fight was in June of twenty one um, that they went, and their first fight was just previous that December of twenty twenty at UFC. 256 oh, yeah. Yeah, and that that's the one that ended in a draw and what many many people that saw that fight um that original fight ufc 256 they're calling us the best fight they've ever seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um you know and and that's why there was that quick rematch i think because it was such a great fight and i think they saw the draw of these two fire fighters going at it again you know so they got them back on the card in six or seven months there and and uh another good fight so so this will be you know kind of for all the marbles here to see which one of them's going to dominate that that flyweight division for right now yeah, yeah i think you're definitely going to be a, a tight one even in even in this one i think it may even come down to you know kind of a decision at the at the end you know may go all all five rounds because i was looking at it and the last five rounds that these guys have fought it's you know points wise has been, you know, a combined eight points has been the difference, um, you know, in in the last five rounds. So, you know, very, very tight battle, even, Mm -hmm. you know, even with that, with that draw. And then, you know, even with Moreno winning the the last one was still very, very close. Um, you know, so I think, I think you're going to see the same thing here around round three. And you got to love when matches like this or that rubber match, you know, third time meeting each other, these Mm -hmm. guys know each other inside and out. It's going to make a lot of emotion. Yeah. 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 And you know, the, the, uh, the strategy that goes into it, you know, it's not just, just not going to be two guys out there, you know, slugging it out. So like, yeah, trying to just, you know, beat each other, beat each other down. There's going to be a lot of thought that goes into this, you know, and, and these guys are just superior athletes. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But uh, then the, then the second title fight we got there and and one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, and that's the the heavyweight fight that, that dad was talking about. And that's between, um, you know, the, the number one, you know, guy coming in, Cyril gone at, at 10 0 and O versus the, the current belt holder or champion, Francis Nganu, who is uh 16, three and zero. Um, Nganu comes into this fight, you know, having won five straight, um, looking like, you know, an absolute beast in this, in his heavyweight division. Um, you know, he's, it, it, it's definitely going to be, you know, you talk about fighting each other and, and knowing your opponent while well, these guys they're no strangers to, to each other. That that's for sure. Um, Cyril Ghana and Nganu were both, uh, sparring partners back, back in the day. Um, they also both shared a coach at, at one time before Nganu kind of let, let him go. And I think there's still a little bit of bad, bad blood between the, the old coach and, and Nganu. So definitely, you know, there, there's already some, some history there before, you know, these two guys even square off in, in, you know, in the octagon and, you know, I, I think these guys, yeah, are definitely the two best right now in in that heavyweight division. Um, so I, I expect this one to be very, you know, I don't know. Nganu seems to be a guy that that wants to come out and show he has that that power and just you know slug it out. And you know, you got to take the punches and and be able to handle that that strength that he has. But 
Um, Gon, you know, he has has a little bit of power. I would say not not as much as as Nganu, but I, I would say he's he's more of the athlete among among the two heavyweights, kind of a a little bit of a freak of nature, if if you want, if mm. you will. So this one is going to be be exciting. I I expect it to yeah. be you know if, a. a if you've seen the advertisement for this fight on TV, you look at these two guys, they are ripped. Both of them are just, just absolute monsters when mm -hmm. you look at them physically. And, and like Colton said, they both trained at one time under the same coach, Fernand Lopez, over in, uh, um, it's called the MMA factory in Paris, France. So mm -hmm. they trained together and, uh, um, you know, then that the, the coach and, that Lopez, the coach, and Ganu had kind of a fallen out, and then that kind of carried over to to Cyril Gone. So yeah, there's a little backstory here without getting into too much of the drama, but there is a backstory here. So these guys know each other. There's you know there's some bad blood, there's some animosity there. So uh -huh. and I think it's genuine. It's it's not made for the camera, right? Um, I think know, there's so. there's a real yeah hatred. Yeah. I think that these two yeah. you know. Um, are, are I think there's in. some mutual respect, but but there's uh, definitely some bad blood. So. Right, right, absolutely, and and I think the key in this one is you know if you go back and back to 2018 when actually um, two other heavyweights beat beat Ngannou in in kind of back to back fights in in Derek Lewis and and Stipe Miocic, um, if if you kind of look at that look at that fight, um, Ngannou, you know th those guys they they ate the punches that that Ngannou, you know almost kind of like a, a steel chin they had there um, of of eating the punches, but then they were able to kind of grapple with, with, with Nganu. But I think Nganu definitely has gotten better since those those two fights at, at grappling. But mm -hmm. I think that's something that, that Gon might might be able to take advantage of, you know, in this fight to, you know, possibly knock off the champion. So wow. we'll, Yeah, it should be should we'll, be entertaining. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're gonna move on now to uh the gridiron here. Um we got, you know, four huge games, uh division championship games coming up this this weekend uh we'll start off the one uh, you know that's probably you know near to everybody here the Bengals. the first game on saturday the Bengals versus the titans at 4 30 like i said on saturday you got the Bengals coming in 10 and 7 uh against the titans at 12 and 5 vegas has got the spread uh at three and a half points favoring the titans um you know the titans had a first round bye and the Bengals beat las vegas 26 to 19 in a game that uh, really they, they got a little, their coach got a little conservative. I thought there at mm -hmm. the end of that game and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, only being down by, by seven points there, Las Vegas had a legitimate shot, of, of tying that up late in the game. And then, um, you know, but they, that Bengals did hold on. So they get their first playoff win in 30, 30 yeah, some years, 31 so, years, yeah, I think. So, yeah. all right, well, give me your take, uh, give me your take, Matt, on who you think, who you like and, and why that what's going to be the keys this game this weekend yeah i'll tell you for all these games i really I, I always like to look at the stats before i pick teams and looking at the stats of this game this should be a great matchup but really the stats kind of favor cincinnati here mm -hmm. they, they score 27 points a game which is three points more per game than the titans mm -hmm. they only give up one more point a game than the titans the titans give up 21 they give up 22 mm -hmm. i mean cincinnati offensively looks like they could control this game, but yeah. I, I got to go a little bit away from the stats here and pick with my gut on this one. I, I think Tennessee, they're, they're a little more gritty. They can grind it out and they, they can play those close games that you really need to be able to play in the playoffs to win. Right. And I, I just think they've got what it takes to, that 
that extra little bit of that it factor. That, yeah, that it they, they'll get get them over the edge in a close game like this. I, mm-hmm. I think Tennessee Tennessee wins, but it's going to be close. Cincinnati's so going to put up a heck of a I ball game. Be, I think it'll be close as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think the big story is, is does Derrick Henry come back healthy I, I for the so. Titans this weekend? This this guy's an absolute stud. I mean, 937 games and or 937 yards in only eight games this season. Yeah, since he's been hurt, so. Um, and, and this is a stat I really like. In his whole career, he's only lost five fumbles mm-hmm. his whole career. So mm-hmm. he takes care of the ball. He's a powerful back. He can block. He can catch out of the backfield. So that that's going to be big for the tight. You know, Tannehill hasn't missed a game all season. He stayed healthy. But, you know, you know looking at him against Joe Burrow, Tannehill to me is more of a, one of the quarterbacks that's like a game manager. Mm-hmm. His, his stats aren't going to blow you away. And he's not um, going to win, maybe win the game by himself. Right. But he, he really fell to the perfect system in Tennessee. He did. Right. I mean, he, he really kind of was drafted, didn't, didn't live up to his hype. Right. And, yeah, I think, you know, they let him go, and he just fell into the perfect situation. Right. Yeah. Right. Had, it's been great. Has never looked back great, since. Yeah, great for both sides. And I think yeah. that what can be more of a factor if, if Derrick Henry does come back is – um, the Bengals have two of their big run stop. They got two defensive tackles that are injured this weekend. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, two of their run stoppers and and Hendrickson, their their defensive end. I guess he did get cleared. Yeah, he is um, good to cleared go. out of the concussion protocol. So that was kind of iffy He's at a first. But sack sack leader too. Yeah, Fourteen I sacks this year, uh, but they do have two defensive tackles that are injured. So, so you know, I think if if Derrick Henry comes back, I think that's the key to the game. One thing I, I noticed about the Titans going back and looking at their games this season, they play bad against bad teams. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. lost to the Jets. <laughs> they lost to Houston. And they needed overtime to beat Seattle. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they they did lose five games this season. And here's the big stat that I'm going to blow you away with. They don't want to get – they don't want to score 13 points. They okay. get stuck on 13 Four of the five games that they lost, mm. their final score was 13 points. So <laughs> the curse of number 13, yeah. yeah. So, Friday, Friday the 13th so there. <laughs> as long as the Titans get past 13, if they can get two touchdowns and both the extra points and get to 14, they're going to win. They, they, got a, they got a good shot yeah, at winning they, that they game. They can't get stuck at 13. So, yeah. But I go along with Matt here. I like the Titans um, to pull this out in a close game, You know, taking nothing away from the Bengals and that combination of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Um, just, you know, Jamar had nine receptions, 116 yards against Las Vegas. Um, you know, and, and the Bengals lost, you know, two of their losses were to, you know, one to Green Bay, one to the 49ers this season. I mean, you know, they've played good teams and played them tough. Mm-hmm. Man, so, you, you just got to love Joe Burrow. Uh, After that game when he got interviewed and they were talking about, you know, hey, Cincinnati finally did it. You you know, you want, you want a first-round playoff game. He's like, yeah. On yeah. to the next one. Look, moving on. Yeah, let's right. keep playing. Yeah, let's, let's keep going. Let's not get too wrapped up yeah, in it. So, right, right. Well, I agree. What yeah. you got, Colton? Yeah, no, I won't, uh, you know, spend too much time. You guys hit on it pretty pretty well. But, yeah, I think the big key in this one is is Derrick Henry, you know, will play in this game. You know, what what will he be like? What is he able to contribute to that to that Tennessee offense? And, you know, if he's, if he's able to be, you know, I think seventy to eighty percent of what he what he was. I think Tennessee has a real good shot at, at winning this winning this game, um, just because 
yeah, we, we look at Cincinnati's offense and, you know, what they can do and, you know, being, being able to maybe exploit that, that weak secondary for, for Tennessee Titans. But mm-hmm. I think being able to run the ball and control the clock is yeah, really what, yeah. what is going to help Tennessee Absolutely. to kind of limit those opportunities that the Bengals are going to get on offense. I like this to be a very, very tight, low scoring ball game, but I think the Titans come, come on out, come out on top. And, you know, we, we talk about kind of that it factor, but we also have to consider, you know, the Bengals relatively new to the playoffs here yeah. and, and, you know, not, yeah. not, you know, haven't been there, you know, many, many times. And a lot of guys on this, on this roster are pretty, pretty young and don't have a ton of playoff experience where the Titans have been there, you know, several times have been, you know, one shot almost to the Super Bowl, or, you know, have had that, you know, experience and mm-hmm. have had, you know, a tight, tight knit group there. So I like the Titans to, to get it done in a, in a close ball game. <clears throat> All right. Very good. All right. That second game on Saturday, um, eight fifteen be the 10 and 7 49ers at uh 13 and 4 green bay um this is the biggest spread of the weekend vegas has got it at six points right now um you know at green bay again they had the week off last week uh and and the 49ers had to play uh they played dallas and what a crazy finish to that game <laughs> yeah absolutely at one point oh it's over now you it's know not. 49ers now it's not and now right. it's over again and now it's not so right uh, you know, and to me, Dallas beat themselves in this game. Absolutely. I mean, you can't – You can't wait till the second half of the fourth quarter to start to, playing. To start playing. Like 14 pre-snap penalties. Right. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. on. And they couldn't get a run game established. Yeah. I think, you know, just – the, you know, those little bit of controversy that to me it was a no controversy, but I didn't think it the, was either. They, they, it was they, a bad coaching decision. It was a bad was. decision at the end of the game. Um, right. But, you know, the 49ers are a good team. You know, they, they, one point there in the season, they lost four in a row, um, but then, you know, recovered from that and did get into the playoffs. It, it's a team that beat the Rams twice this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I look for this to be a, a good game, but. I just think Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are just are just too much. I mean, you look at the numbers Rodgers is putting up this year, 37 touchdown against only four picks. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Devontae Adams is 123 receptions this year. Just I, I just think it's too much for the 49ers. Um, and and I'll, I'll take Green Bay in this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just a little bit of history. The, these two teams actually matched up against each other in the, in the regular season back all the way back in week three. It's hard to believe it's, you know, been that long. But uh, Green Bay came out just slightly in yeah. that game, 30, 30 to 28. So, you know, these two teams obviously know a little bit about each other and, you know, played in a, in a tight one, you know, previously. But, uh, you know, I, I think for me the key is here, Green Bay's playing playing at home. They're playing in you know at Lambeau the frozen Field. tundra. Um, you know, and if you look at the stats, um, they had an eight no record at home this year. Wow. With a plus thirteen point nine, almost a plus you know plus two touchdown scoring margin, mm. which I believe is is second best in the in the NFL. Wow. So, um, you know, they they play obviously a lot better, and I won't say just offensively, but if you look at it defensively. They give up the second fewest points per game when they play at home as well. And I think that's been the difference for mm-hmm. me with mm-hmm. this Green Bay team. Yeah, the offense has always been pretty consistent, but the defense has gotten it's better, played, played much better, much better than what they were, you know, last year. Yeah. Um, and I, I so I think in this one, them playing at home, having that home field advantage going to be the difference in, in this one. I think Green Bay come, comes out on top. I think maybe even, you know, more than that, that six point spread that they're, that they're showing there. The 49ers definitely have their hands full. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it, like I said, I was a stat guy coming into this thing. So looking at the stats on paper, these teams are pretty, pretty close, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to quarterback play and, 
And in the playoffs, Jimmy G hasn't always been the, been the best in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers has been a, a, a playoff you know Superman. So I, I think the the Packers have have that extra extra bit there with the with the quarterback mm-hmm. play in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I think I think Rodgers just he's going to refuse to be denied this year. Mm-hmm. He, he really went out the bad way last year. I, I think he wants to prove that. He is the franchise there, and he wants so, to win another. So, Super am I Bowl. hearing Matt's early Super Bowl champ pick? <laughs> it's here. a possibility. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how they look this week. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, two two other key things to look at for the 49ers. Um, you talk about it, Jimmy G dealing with a shoulder injury, I believe. Um, so, well, he, the thumb, he had the thumb, thumb issue. But then yeah. I think, yeah, there was some some talk about this week that he may or may not have sprained his shoulder in mm-hmm. that in that Dallas game. So. That's something to look at. You know, I don't know what his health stat. I, I'm, I'm assuming he, you know, it's nothing major where, you know, he's got a broken shoulder or anything like that. But he's, you know, what does that do for his throwing, you know, throwing motion, throwing, you know, capabilities? Do we see Trey Lance go in there, you know, in a in a tight, you know, game and in, in a playoff game like this? What do they do? And the other the other injury to look at then is also the defensive end from from the 49ers and, and Nick Bosa, who. You know, yeah. kind of a, had a gruesome kind of head injury there in the Dallas hopefully game. And, back. you know, hopefully, you know, for the 49ers I, they, sake. They've been keeping that pretty quiet. Yeah. I haven't heard much about that. Hopefully that can, issue. you know, can kind of, I think they ruled it as a concussion. You know, nothing, you know, nothing Looked else. more like a neck issue to me. But, mm-hmm. but you know, we'll yeah. see or monitor, you know, this week of, you know, if he's able to go. And, you know, I, I think, you know, 49ers were able to manage without him in the in that Dallas game. But, you know, I think that this, you know, Green Bay team is a little bit different animal. Yeah. So the I Dallas think, offense isn't the Green Bay offense. Right, right. right. Shot, so, so I think, I think uh, you know, that those are two things to kind of monitor or look at. It uh, could be a key to this game as well. Right, absolutely. All right, we'll move on to the Sunday games. The first one, uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock. And uh, you got the 12-5 and five Rams going up against uh, the 13-4 and four Buccaneers. Um, they both dominated their game. I mean, hmm. in a, you know, the, the Rams won 34 to 11 to really a game that wasn't even that close. No. And the same thing with the Bucks, 31 to 15 over the Eagles in a game that didn't even feel like it was that close. Right. So I'll let you, I'll let Matt get started on this one. You know, again, like I said, a stats guy here. So I looked at all the stats. Tampa Bay's better in almost every statistical category other than sacks and interceptions in LA. So I, I think Tampa Bay has really got the edge here. And I'll tell you what, you can't bet against the one man no. on their postseason <laughs> roster there and Tom right. Brady. You, you just you just can't bet against him. I, I he's got that it factor when it comes to the playoff time. I'm going with touchdown Tom and Tampa Bay to take this one. Vegas yeah. only has this game at three, right. you know, the spread at three. So yeah, tell me what you think about that, Colton. You like that pick? Yeah, I think so. I think this is going to be, uh, I, you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a good game, but, you know, I have just a, a suspicious feeling that, that Tampa is going to kind of maybe take this one and, and kind of roll with it um, just because, you know, yeah, Stafford gets his first playoff win last week, but, you know, I, I just don't know that, you know, over the last probably, you know, four or five weeks of the season, he looked very inconsistent, yeah. just a lot of turnovers, yeah. a lot of forced interceptions, and, you know, that didn't show up you know, in this playoff game against the Cardinals, but they were playing at home. And if, you know, watched any of that game, you could feel that. I mean, that crowd was, I mean, it was electric. I mean, it was intense, you know, in that, in that. And they just took Arizona out of the game, right? I mean, the Cardinals looked just lost uh, on both sides of the ball. Never really had an answer. Kyler Murray didn't look comfortable back there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he made some key mistakes early. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just thought. But like Colton said, you know, Stafford is going to throw some picks. He threw right. 17 picks this year, mm-hmm. and that that's a lot. Right. I mean, you know, for, for a for a playoff team, you know, that that's a lot of picks. You don't normally see 
a quarterback turn the ball over that many times and your team still getting the playoffs. Right, right. Um, and you know, a big a big key for me, I think, um, they're they're probably Hall of Fame tackle Andrew Whitworth is injured. Mm-hmm. Not sure what his status is. It's a knee or ankle thing. I and I think I heard somewhere. He's the second oldest player in the league behind yeah. Tom Brady at 40 years old. Mm-hmm. You think about that. For an offensive yeah, lineman, that's I mean, even that's more impressive. just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's incredible. But, right. you know, and that defense from the Rams, they're only giving up 11 points a game mm-hmm. and only 200 yards of offense. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this has the potential to be a, to be a real tight game. Um, it, it, I haven't heard – for sure, if Leonard Fournette is going to be, yeah, I mean, I feel like he's gonna gonna play. I mean, it sounded like he was kind of like a game time decision. You know, decided not to go. They felt I don't know. Maybe they felt like they didn't really need him in that you know Eagles game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess they mm-hmm. were kind of right in the sense that they kind of dominated that game. But uh, yeah, I don't think that they you know wanted to risk it. I think that they feel like they need him more in in this game than they you know needed for the Eagles. So I, I think I think he'll be back, but you know you just don't know what you're mm-hmm. what you're gonna get. So yeah, I, I, you know Cooper Cup, you know I've mentioned on the show before I love this guy. You know 145 receptions, almost two two thousand yards receiving this year. You know he's he's that guy that you know he he's always catching the ball. He doesn't drop balls. He's making key third down conversions. Um, but I, I, I'm like the I'm like the rest of the guys here. I think the Buccaneers' offense is just just going to be too much, too much for him, especially if Fournette comes back and he's he's close to 100. Mm, percent Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, last game of the day on Sunday, um, we got the Bills coming in at 11 and six against the Kansas City Chiefs at 12 and five. The spread's only only two points in this game. Um, you know, so th- this is pretty much a pick I'm here. Yeah, pretty interesting because um, they usually give the home team always usually gets at least three points. Yeah. So, you know, it's almost, yeah, like a like a pick em game in that sense. So, yeah, so it, you know, and this it's kind of been a strange season to me for the Chiefs. They started out, you know, they started out the season three and four in their first seven games and wound up at 12 and five. So only lost one game. You know, through the rest of the, through the rest of the season, dominated and that the one loss being against the bank, you know, a playoff team in the Bengals right, and, right. and a tight one. So yeah, so uh, you know, they they pretty much dominated the Steelers. The first half was you know somewhat, somewhat close, close um, but uh, you know, Kelsey had 108 yards receiving. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, this will be a good one. I think I love the Bills. I love the way they play ball. Uh, Josh Allen's my guy. You know, that combination of him and Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, and they absolutely destroyed New England, you know, so the two teams that are coming off big wins in the first round beat New England 47 to 17. And these teams saw each other in regular season. So Matt, why don't you give me, give me your take on this? Yeah, I know last week, both these teams looked unstoppable. They just, they were both playing awesome on offense. Defenses were flying around. <laughs> and I, I think this game is going to come down to, to, to the defenses. And, and to me, that favors the bills here. They're giving up 17 points a game. Compared to Kansas City, he's given up 21 points a game. I think Buffalo Bills win in a close one, but this is going to be an exciting matchup. Uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to yeah, it. I, I mm-hmm. am too. Yeah. yeah, this is the one that Vegas has the highest over/under on at 54. So you know they're expecting a lot of offense in this game. Like I said, 
they met each other in week five and you know that the bills really dominated the kansas city 38 to 20 you know though with these two defenses i think i take the i know they both have really good offenses but they have awesome defenses they do i think i think i'd take the under here yeah absolutely i think this is going to be uh yeah very very interesting game and not only you know because they met week five but you know if you remember from last year these are the two teams that met in the afc you know title game as well so very familiar with each other not only in the regular season but in the playoffs as well and you know I think the, the Bills have been, you know, maybe circling this on their on their calendar or, you know, looking at this as a possible matchup in the playoffs for, for a while and, you know, hoping that they, you know, made some tweaks and changes to, to you know, find a kind of a chink in that in that uh, Kansas City armor there. But, uh, yeah, the Kansas City definitely started out the season a little little shaky, but have, have definitely turned things around and have, you know, kind of produced that offense that we're, we're used to seeing um, in their in their last six games. They're averaging almost 37 points per game. So. I'm um, definitely, you know, f- found their found the rhythm and, 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 you know, gonna, gonna complete, you know, some passes and things like that. But yeah, I think the defense for me is, is the difference in this one. I, I think the bills got a little bit better defense, especially in that, in that secondary can, can, can limit, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and their uh, opportunities. I, I like the bills to get a win here. Right. And, you know, I, I want to say kudos to the NFL on how they, how they did this. They added the extra team to the playoffs and gave that number one seed the bye. But I like how they restacked who you're playing, too, because the one seed got the, the worst team. Right, mm-hmm. right. Stats left. Yeah. So it wasn't just, you know, they Moving, pushed it through yeah. the bracket. Right, they they right. did restack it because I believe uh, if Dallas would have won, they would have been playing Tampa Bay. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think the NFL yeah. really did this right. I, I agree, Matt. And like I said, it's, it's going to make for some interesting matchups this season. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, this weekend, I think. Um, so – yeah, I'm kind of rooting for the Bills in this, and in that last game, I'd like to see them win. Like I said, I Josh Allen's my guy. I like the way he plays the game, and and uh, so I'm looking for a, a good weekend of football. All right, well, um, let's move on. We're going to stick with the NFL, but we're going to move over to the guys that are you know calling the shots on on or these teams, or, or yeah. were, or maybe in the future, <laughs> looking for, um, looking for another got, job. I got a total of eight teams that I kind of looked at that are, you know, looking for a new head coach. Um, we'll start out um, to the one I think really shouldn't be looking at all because I think they already got their guy, but that's the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously Las Vegas, you know, we, we all know the, the history or kind of the story of, of their tumultuous season that they that they had. You know, John Cruden gets, you know, forced to resign after, you know, some some allegations, some stuff that, you know, went down. Um, and, and, you know, the, the interim takes over, uh, they had several players. I mean, they had the whole Henry Ruggs issue of, you know, getting arrested, uh, you know, with the whole, you know, car accident thing, um, had several other players that got arrested for, you know, drunk driving or, you know, uh, weapons in the car and, and, you know, just some, a lot of, a lot of just stuff going on off the field that really could have made this team take a turn for the worst, um, but you know they they stuck together they they hung together they hung in there battled it out in that in that AFC and you know managed to find a way to you know sneak their way into the into the playoffs and you know like Dad said you know previously had had a real good shot to, to possibly win that game against against Cincinnati but uh, you know I, I don't know I don't know how you you can't at least extend the offer to to the guy that that you know was able to you know keep the ship kind of afloat um, you know the whole the whole season or. You know, not at least at least give him the opportunity. I mean, I think it'd be 
it'd be real tough to to not you know extend that extend that offer. But yeah, you know. I mean, to be fair, they are interviewing him. He is in the running. Oh uh, yeah, for, they, for the they, I think they got to go through the process. Yeah. Right. And I, I know a couple other candidates they're looking at. They've got uh, Kellen Moore from Dallas, their offensive coordinator. Uh, Todd Bowles, uh, Tampa Bay's defensive coordinator. Like I said, Rich Basaccia, who was their interim coach. They are they have him on the interview list. Brian Flores, who was just fired in Miami. Brian Daybill, who's the Bills offensive coordinator, and big name for you two, Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of oh, Michigan. Yeah, yeah we're who, here. who I'm here to, is the leading candidate right now. Well, All right. All right. Yeah, I, I think I think that is the that's the rumor. Um, and you know you know Mark Davis, the owner. He if he wants a guy, he's going to throw an absolute. He boat, don't matter what he'll it throw takes. a boatload of money at him. So money's not the issue, I don't think. Um, but to me. If I if I'm Basaccia, you know, if if I don't get that job, I'm quitting. Yeah, I'm going, you know, going somewhere else. That, that's crazy. I mean, like Colton said, the the the, uh, the adversity that they dealt with this season, and and, and the other thing you got to throw in there too, they were out there in that competitive division that has the Chiefs and the Chargers in it, mm-hmm. and still made the playoffs. Right. You know, with an interim coach and all all the stuff that they dealt with. So, yeah, and and it, I hope they do do that because I don't want to see Harbaugh. <laughs> see Harbaugh leave Ann Arbor, but um, I think he's still got work to do up there. But uh, well, for what I've heard about Harbaugh though, is if, if he does take another NFL job, he wants it to be one where he can win. Now he wants to get back to the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you of these jobs out there right now, Vegas and re- I mean, maybe Miami could be, a, maybe. be an interesting yeah. spot yeah. where you could maybe get there. But right. I mean, Vegas really looks like that. That's, that's a pretty good shot line, to get yeah. yourself there. You got a lot of talent. You got a great franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. a lot of good players. Right, right. In a, a, a franchise that may be looking for some kind of direction or some kind of identity at, at this point. And, you know, uh, Harbaugh's not usually one to shy away from kind of the, the limelight or, you know, really show his personality. Right. So I think on the Harbaugh thing, I think it's been kind of a ploy maybe on Harbaugh. I mean, might be a little gamesmanship here with Harbaugh. Get a little bit of that money back they yeah. took from him. Well, I, and I don't think it's money for yeah. him. I think it has more to do with the fact that uh, Michigan didn't have an NIL program like most of the other schools. So where, you know, the, the players were still eligible to get that money, but they had to go and seek out those endorsement deals, deals on their own. They didn't have, the school you know, kind of a, backing a, there. A, yeah, a, a group of people that are coaches that were out, you know, kind of selling these sure, players yeah, so i think it was and and that's the only way you're going to be able to be competitive now in in, in, in college today's college football, football world. today's college football world is yeah. if you get you know promise these guys hey we got a great nil program we can get you those endorsement deals so right, right. i think it was maybe a little gamemanship or may still be going on with harbaugh but uh but again I, if if i'm if i'm rich Passaccia, i i i'm yeah, uh, yeah, they couldn't have asked him to do any more. He did. Exactly. He did an admirable job exactly. taking over right, there and exactly. leading it through. All right. Um, the next one I got on my list is uh, the Vikings. Uh, you know, fired Zimmer. Um, he's gone, and my the white the who I see as the leading candidate and a re- for a replacement. And I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and he's still my favorite. And that's Doug Peterson. Um, you know, former Eagles head coach. Yeah, he's got a 42-37-1 record as an NFL head coach. So, to me, I, I think he's a good fit for the Vikings. You know, they got a couple good receivers up there. And Peterson, their problem has been defense. I, he'll bring in a quality defensive coordinator, I think. And uh, to me, that Peterson seems to be the best fit for the Vikings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like like that said, you know, Zimmer, 
gone after after eight seasons um you know accumulated a 72 56 and one record it was time while he wasn't turning it around yeah i just think it was you know not you know he's known to be a you know a defensive minded guy and you know they they invested a lot of money this offseason in in kind of defense and and, they didn't play any better and they didn't didn't weren't weren't very good um their their defense actually ranked 31st in 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 this year so you know you you invest all that money you got a defensive-minded coach and you know, and then you go out there and your defense is, you know, not your strongest part of, of your of your team. And I just think that that spells disaster for for a guy that's been there, you know, for for eight years and, you know, has, has you know, done some some good things, but, you know, just not enough to, to keep keep going or, you know, showing up to the ownership that, you know, it's it's time to, you know, keep keep going. But, right. uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, definitely going to see, you know, who who's who's out there to, to take over the job. But, yeah, I think Doug Peterson, probably one of them, and several other kind of offensive coordinators out there in the, uh, you know, in the other NFL teams. So, Matt, what you yeah, got? Yeah, I saw quite the list. But, uh, you know, for Zimmer, it was definitely time. He was seven seasons with the team, and they had their ups and downs, but they were just never able to really get over the hump. They spent all that money going out, signing a quarterback that was supposed to be the franchise that – that never really worked out. And signed him to another big contract extension right. on top of that. Yeah. So, so and, and some of the candidates I'm seeing right now, uh, I've heard talk of Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator, okay. uh, Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator out of Dallas, D'Amico Ryan's 49ers defensive coordinator, and Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator in Dallas. Okay. Uh, are some of the names I'm hearing. Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay's defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and uh, – Nathaniel Hackett, the Green Bay's offensive coordinator. So, I mean, they've got a large – they're throwing the net over everybody. It right. sounds and, and like. could go – Cast on a wide net. Yeah. could go anywhere. And could go back to, you know, being another defensive coordinator off – you know, what, are they going to switch it up and go offense? But, I, but I will say so. I, I like that they're going after coordinators because when, when we get to some of these other jobs that we're talking about that these coaches that got fired, mm-hmm. those were guys that – we're never even coordinators in the league, yeah. and it, yeah. that rarely seems to work out. Mm-hmm. So I like that they're they're looking at coordinators or mm-hmm. they're looking at head previous head coaches. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a better fit in the NFL these these days. Yeah. I, I don't think picking these. I, I mean, I think there's a place for these young guys to succeed, but I think that you got to get your way up through the ranks mm-hmm. to really be able to make that money. All right, we'll try to keep it moving here. Um, next one I got on my list is the Jags. To me, this is a a pretty. Uh, I mean, a job that. Really, for a guy, it it's uh has some has some upside to it. Um, as much problem as they've had down there, you know, they got a lot of cap space, and and they got a a, a promising young quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think to me that this is a t- you know and and I'm not throwing shade at Urban, but you know when you follow a guy that had the issue, and it wasn't all his issues. The whole team had issues, but it's easy to look pretty good after following you know a. a, a a problem season like they had so right um my 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 guy for this pick uh, and i'm only going to give you one and that's uh the offensive coordinator from the tampa bay buccaneers byron leftwich former Mm -hmm. quarterback with the jags uh you know he's a guy that can develop a quarterback i think he'd be great for you know for the quarterback situation down there in, in jacksonville so that's my that's my pick to take over that job yeah absolutely you know we know uh, you know, all the craziness that, that happened this year with, with Urban Meyer and, you know, didn't even make it through one total season. But, uh, 
you know, yeah, definitely going to have to have somebody come in there that's going to change the culture and then, you know, get back on the on the winning track. Um, and I think, you know, definitely Byron Lepwich is, is a guy obviously familiar with the franchise, you know, knows, you know, knows, you know, what what the franchise was, you know, played played there for a number of seasons, kind of a, I don't know, a fan favorite at, at one point. So, you know, and, and doesn't have to move too far down the, you know, <laughs> back back up the up the road to, to take over the job. But you know, we'll, we'll see what uh, what route Jacksonville decides to go. As much as I'd love to see Leftwich get that job, I think they need to go with somebody more established. They, they, they've been trying that route all these years, taking the unestablished guys, and it just it, it, it's doesn't just, yeah, up. their franchise is in too much of a mess. I think they need somebody who knows the ropes, can clean things up. I, I think Dan Quinn from Dallas, their defensive coordinator, would be a great hmm. fit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I got, yeah, that's, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah, not I mean, he obviously thought. has head coaching experience yeah. with the mm-hmm. with the Falcons, yep, so right, definitely, right. Uh, you know, definitely um, a lot of. On to the Dolphins, yeah. another another team that's got you know some some cap space there where they can you know either sign some free agents or you know do well in the draft, and they got a quarterback I think that you could work with that that he still needs development, and the best guy I see for this job to to take to. To lead him down that direction is the uh, offensive coordinator from the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in his run since he's been the Chiefs offensive coordinator, they've went fifty and fifteen. Mm. So to me, that that's the guy that Miami needs to go after in their search. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, to me, this one just just puzzles me that that the Dolphins decided to get rid of of Brian Flores. I I, I, I thought the I was guy disappointed. was disappointed. Yeah, I thought the guy was doing a a pretty good job for with for a franchise that you know similar to the Jacksonville had been in kind of turmoil Disarray. or you know yeah. one of those teams that you just knew was always going to be picking in the top 10 or maybe even the top five every year. And, and since it, he's been there, they've yeah. been in the playoff hunt every right, season. Right, and uh, you know, but. I, I think, uh, you know, it, you also have to take into consideration, I, I didn't know this, but I was looking, when I was looking up some stuff, um, during his three seasons while he was the Dolphins, you know, head coach, they had four different offensive coordinators. They had two different defensive coordinators and four different offensive line coaches. So just a lot of turnover in that organization. And I don't know if that's, you know, all on him, you know, his, his decisions or whatever, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, definitely, you know, kind of some inconsistency. Um, and so I think definitely, you know, I think that that may have been why, you know, the, the franchise decided to move on just, you know, not having the consistency in, you know, some of those key positions. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, uh, very, very head scratching move for, for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I wasn't a good move, but mm. now they've made it, they got to fix it. All right. Mm. Yeah. My, my pick for that, I, I think uh, Mike McDaniel, 49ers offense coordinator, I think they run a could run a similar system there with the, mm. the mobile quarterback. I think he'd be a good fit there to, okay. to help to advance right. along. Yeah, absolutely. Like All right, on to Chicago. Um, you know, I think uh, this is a this is a team that you know you got to get somebody in there to you know have that opportunity and give the opportunity to Justin Fields develop him. Mm-hmm. I think he's the quarterback of the future in Chicago. Um, and after looking at the job that. This guy did with Josh Allen in Buffalo. I like the offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, from from the Bills. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, Dad, hit it there. I think you have to bring in somebody that can develop a, a young quarterback, develop an offense, and, you know, that's what they thought they were getting with, with Matt Nagy. And, you know, it, it started out promising his first year. He won Coach of the Year, went 12-4, and four, you know, went into the playoffs. But then, you know, uh, his quarterback at that time, Mitchell Trubisky, just – 
never got any better, you know, from, from there on out, never really developed any more from, from there. And, you know, Justin Fields, you know, they draft him this year and, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't fair to, to him. You know, there was, you know, a lot of just kind of, th- this had been a long time coming kind of deal, you know, almost all the season, the whole season, it was, you know, when is Matt Nagy getting fired or, mm-hmm. you know, what? I think that just puts a kind of a dark cloud over the whole, the whole team. So I think yeah. definitely they got to go offense here, you know, offensive coordinator or a former coach that, you know, has kind of an offensive mind. So definitely I think offense is where you go. Yeah. I mean, Matt Nagy was supposed to be the quarterback guru and none of his quarterbacks really worked out. It was time for him to go. You know, a, a person that I've looked at that's been uh, talked about for this job is uh, Jim Caldwell, the Indy's old head coach. Yeah. I, th- I think he'd be a great fit here. Mm-hmm. All right. On to the Denver Broncos. Um, this is a team, this job to me is not appealing at all. Um, they, they got it. They need a quarterback and there's been talk of this team being sold. So you don't even know who's going to be signing ownership. Yeah. Who's going to be signing your paycheck. So, um, you know, but I guess I see the favorite to me is, uh, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, that I know you liked him somewhere else, Matt, but, um, you know, he went 43 and 42 as a head coach with the Falcons. This is a team that needs, they, they need some work. And I think with his head coaching, previous head coaching experience, I, I see Quinn as the best man for this job. Yeah, I think, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, Vic Vangio uh, had a 19 and 30 record there in Denver. But I think, I think the franchise, you know, who knows what they do if, you know, who the ownership is. But I think they go a different direction and go, go offense here because I think the knack, you know, against Fangio is not, not the defense. He, he had one of the best defenses in the three seasons that he was there with Denver. Uh, it was, it was always the offense of, you know, just not getting enough production out of that offensive side of the ball and just inconsistent QB play. So I think they, they go, maybe go offensive, you know, offensive minded here. And, and, you know, because I think the defensive personnel is going to be more or less the same. So I think you'll be, you know, if you can get a, a decent defensive coordinator in there, I think you can get an offensive guy in there to, to kind of revamp that offense and, you know, kind of have, you know, both sides of the ball be on, be on track. So, okay. Very good. Yeah. I'm not really sure what, what would be best for them. I, I think they're going to have to go somebody younger. I think they're going to have trouble getting the established guy just yeah. because they're in a bit of turmoil there. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody like left, which might be a, a good option here to get that offense really moving. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Um, next one on the list is the giants. Uh, this is another, this is another team. They got no cap space. They got no quarterback. Um, but the, the favorite that I'm hearing or what I'm reading that it seems to be they're leaning towards the guy that we were surprised they got fired in Miami, and that's Brian Flores. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was this that Dolphins team, they started one and seven, if I'm not if yep. I'm not wrong, and finished up nine and eight. So to me, it's still still a head scratcher as to why Miami got rid of him. This guy's not gonna have any trouble finding a job. You know, I don't I don't know. If I'm him, I don't know if the Giants is where I'm you want to sure. go. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know if that's where you want to be, but uh, that's I think it, he's a guy that could turn that team around. Though. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think I think yeah, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with the Giants at, at firing you know Joe Judge after you know I, I just think two seasons. What 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 can you really what can you do in, in two seasons? I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you know Joe Judge did anything to really give you any kind of hope or promise, but. I'm just saying from a consistency standpoint, you fire a coach after two years, 
I mean, you're never going to be able to develop any kind of team in, in two years, in my in my opinion. So. Yeah, but they had some really high draft picks that have really flopped under flopped. his leadership. Yeah. So Good, I, yeah. I, I think that yeah. had a lot to do with it. You know, Saquon Barkley not really turning out. Daniel Jones not really turning out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, Saquon, he still he, – I don't he know. can't stay healthy. He can't long. stay healthy, but he still looks like kind of lost yeah. in the NFL offense mm-hmm. a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see at what direction the Giants go. The last one, um, well, it may not be the last one, but I think the last opening for right now, because I think there there might be some other guys in there that are still still have mm-hmm. some question marks. But uh, the Texans, mm-hmm. um, you know, they fired Dan Cully after one season, which I thought was kind of unfair. Yeah, they they nope, but. What did you expect? Right. Uh, you know, yeah, with a, with a team that had a depleted roster, um, you know, a QB that's you know currently in legal troubles. Right. Yeah, nobody knows what's going on with right. that. I mean, he basically he he won the same number of games that they won last year with a totally revamped roster, and and when I mean revamped, I worse. mean worse mm-hmm. roster. And, and, and in his first season right. as a head coach, right. anywhere, so. right? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think that was really fair. Yeah. Uh, and, only- I mean, it just shows to me that they weren't committed from the very beginning. Right. Like they weren't, yeah. you know, this wasn't going to be the guy going forward no matter I, And what. I guess that the guy I'm hearing is maybe the favorite is the defensive coordinator from the Eagles, John Gannon. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't know. If, if I'm a coach and I got opportunity to go somewhere else, I'm probably going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've heard they're pretty high on uh, Flores there from Miami as well. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, which, I don't know. Which is the worst of two evils, yeah. the Giants or the Texans? Right, yeah. right absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I guess a couple other question marks before we wrap up this. Um, yeah, is, is Mike McCarthy safe in Dallas, yes or no? Uh, I'd say yes, yes Jerry, no. because say of Jerry yes. Jones. Yes, he's stubborn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. And then the other guy I thought that might be a question mark is Dan Campbell in Detroit. I mean, yeah. I, to me, I think you got to give the guy More at least another season. season or two. Yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens up there. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a real quick break for a commercial and then we'll stay tuned. We'll come right back at you here in a few seconds. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to move on to uh, the hardwood here, the NBA, give you some NBA news. Um, We're going to, real quick, we're going to go through who we think um, the most disappointing team is, the the surprising team, uh, our odds on pick right now for MVP and odds on pick for uh, NBA champs. And Matt, I'll let you start us out. Sure. I'll just go, I'll just go through my whole list here. I'm going to go biggest surprise. I've got the Chicago bulls. That's who I had earlier in the season. Still no different. They're 28, 15. They're leading the, they're leading the East with the best record in the East. They've been playing great team ball, even though that their team has been completely revamped from last year and they've been battling COVID and other injuries and they're still playing great ball. I like that. They're they're doing a heck of a job and DeRozan's playing like a real MVP. Now, if you want to go to disappointment earlier in the season, I said the New York Knicks and they've done little to change my opinion on that. But now I've got to say LA in general, 
The Lakers are eighth in the West. <laughs> the Clippers are ninth in the West. And both these teams are supposed to be NBA championship contenders. I, I don't know what's going on in La La Land, but neither of them are doing anything to live up to the hype. Yeah. Uh, going down the list of, of potential MVP here. I'm going with Kevin Durant. He leads the third best team in the East in the Brooklyn Nets. He's scoring 29 points a game, uh, six assists a game, seven rebounds. He's he's just he does everything. I, I think that team's poised to make a championship run. So that that's my pick for the MVP there. And uh, for the champion, I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. They've got the second best record in the NBA at 32 and 12, and they're getting healthier. They just got Clay Thompson back. And uh, Seth Curry, he's looking like a man on a oh. mission. I can't pick against this guy. I, I, they're my pick for the champion. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, me and Matt agree on a lot of stuff here. <laughs> yeah, I got to say I'll make it three because I got quite a few of those teams yeah, too. Uh, so, But I actually singled out the Lakers as my dis- most disappointing team and for a couple reasons. Um, uh, well, for one, you got 37-year-old LeBron James that's leading the team in scoring. Yeah, that we just, know. And just we about know everything else, too. We, we know what this guy's resume is, but at 37 years old, he shouldn't be leaving, leading the team yeah. in every statistical category that's out there. Right. Um, you look at, and like, last night's game was an absolute debacle. Uh, you know, they played the Pacers, who are 16-29 and 29 mm-hmm. and lost. Frank Vogel benched Westbrook the last, I don't know, three and a half, four minutes of the game um, after he shot five of 17. This team's just a mess right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and apparently Vogel's on the hot seat, I well, guess, from what I hear, is that he's like coaching basically day to day, basically, yeah. is they what said, I'm hearing. Oh, we back his benching of Westbrook and all that. You do what you got to do to, you know, get that team in line. But I think, yeah, I think it won't be, it won't be the NBA all-star break and Frank Vogel's no longer in LA. So mm-hmm. um, in, another thing from last night's game, um, three of their starters, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, which Dwight's never been a big scorer. I get that. Avery Bradley, between the three of them, they scored 10 points. Yeah. Just so not getting a lot of production. Yeah, out of you just can't, anybody else. you can't do that. So um, my best team or my, my surprise team, I got the Phoenix Suns, 34 and nine, leading the West. Um, after starting the season one and three, they went out an 18 game win streak. Um, they got eight guys averaging double digits, so they're spreading that workload out, and they're scoring over 112 points a game. So mm-hmm. I got them as my best team. And while I'm at it, I'm calling them my NBA champs. I think the championship runs through the Valley of the Sun. And going back to my. Uh, on the same page as Matt, again, I got KD as my MVP. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my, my most disappointing team when we did this segment earlier was was the Boston Celtics, and they really haven't done much to, to change that kind of very similar kind of 500 record that they have, you know, when we when we talked about this, the, you know, the last time. So still just an inconsistent team, just can't get it together. Uh, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum just can't figure out a rhythm when they're both kind of on the court at the same time enough to really, you know, give that, that Boston Celtics kind of the lit, the life that they need. But uh, my most surprising team um, earlier, it was, you know, the Phoenix Suns, but, but so far now I got to say the, the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. uh, kind of a young up and coming, up and coming yeah. team. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, sitting first in their division and third best record in the, in the NBA. And, you know, you thought this season was done for them. They, they started out the season nine and 10, then they lost their star player in, in John Morant. They thought, oh man, their season's really taken mm-hmm. a turn for the worst. 
but actually in that stretch that they you know lost him they went 10 and 2 yeah they were on my radar and, they're definitely playing and, and good now ball. that he's back i mean they he, he you know is playing you know back to the level that he was before he got got mm-hmm. injured and this team just really looks looks the part right now i don't know you know that young you know young talent could kind of come back to bite him maybe in the in the playoffs but uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens for the rest of the season and uh kind of you know, piggybacking after, after uh, off of everybody else, MVP wise, I, I got KD there. I just think the only thing that's going to hurt him, he did just go down with an injury and will be out four to six weeks here. Oh. So that, that could potentially take a hit on on his, you know, MVP race, but it's been a very tight MVP race. You know, I will say that. And, you know, some guys that kind of John fell off is putting up good numbers have again. kind of fallen off the radar, have kind of picked it back up. And some that, you know, started out hot have kind of fallen back down. So I think, you know, KD maybe still has has a shot. But, you know, I think that that injury may may hurt his chances. Mm-hmm. But um, and then as, as far as favorite to win the NBA title, I, I got to piggy, piggyback off of that. I think Golden State, mm-hmm. you know, has has a good shot, you know, and not just from the offensive standpoint of getting Clay Thompson, but. They're one of the best teams on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, lead the league, I think. In uh, in in a, they also you know share the ball around. They lead mm-hmm. lead the league in assists um, at almost thirty per game. And when I said you know defense, they're they're averaging almost ten steals a game too. Wow. Um, so you know I just think defensive wise, they're they're you know they got both sides of the ball, and I think that's what it really takes when it comes NBA playoff time. Not how many points you can score, but you know how many points you can you know limit the other the, the team from getting. All right, so very good. All right, well, we're going to stay on the hardwood, but we're going to go to the amateur ranks. We're going to go with our five picks for this weekend's game. The first one we got on the slate is actually a a late game on Friday night, a Big Ten matchup between Michigan State, number 14 at 14-3, and against number eight, Wisconsin, against 15-2. and Um, Michigan's coming off – Michigan State's coming off a loss to Northwestern on Saturday. Um, Yeah. but Wisconsin hasn't lost since December 11th mm-hmm. uh, being led in all three statistical categories by Johnny Davis, their guard, which kind of surprised me a little bit, mm-hmm. 22 points, seven and a half rebounds and two and a half assists a game. Um, and I, I'm going to have to go with Wisconsin in this game. They're, they're playing heads up ball. They're a tough big 10 team and they're playing at home. So I'm, I like Wisconsin in this game. Yeah, I uh, have to disagree with you on that one. I, I got the Spartans getting getting the major upset uh, against the against the Badgers, and you know, for me, it comes down to Wisconsin. They commit almost seventeen, almost eighteen fouls a game, mm. and, and, and you know that that's a lot. Um, and, and and you look at it, then you know, on the flip side, Michigan State as a team shoots almost seventy eight percent as as a team from the free throw line, which is good for second in the Big Ten. So I just think. It's going to be kind of a low, maybe a lower scoring game. I think it's going to come down to to a couple of free throws here and there. I think Wisconsin, you know, just can't play defense without, you know, without fouling. That's going to put, you know, Michigan State at the line. I think that they'll, you know, convert on those opportunities and, and come out with a close win. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm with Colton here on this one. I'm going with Michigan State, but it's for a slightly different reason. It's because they're shooting. Uh, from the field, they shoot 46% to Wisconsin's 42%. From the three-point line, they're shooting almost 39% compared to Wisconsin's. 31%. Those extra points you're gaining in there. Plus, they're they're better on the boards. They block more shots. Gives you more second chance opportunities there. Yeah. I'm going with Michigan State. All right. Very good. Next one, uh, Saturday game, 1 o'clock, number 12, Kentucky. Coming in at 16-3 and three against number two, Auburn. 
soon to be number one Auburn, I think. Maybe. If they can win this weekend. 17 and 1. 6 and 0 in the SEC. Yeah, Matt, why don't you lead us off on this one? So, on this one, I'm I'm going with an upset. I'm picking Kentucky over Auburn here. I think it's going to be close, but Kentucky is averaging two more points per game than Auburn. They shoot a better percentage from every facet of the court threes, twos, free throws. Their percentage is better shooting everywhere. And they also average more rebounds per game. I, I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I think those, those slight edges can, are in Kentucky's favor. I think it's going to be just enough to get the job done. Yeah, All right. absolutely. Yeah, and if you you look at it statistically, these two teams, you know, as far as SEC play goes, they're almost identical when it comes to you know mm-hmm. points that they allow and points that they score. So yeah, it could be a very very tight tight ball game. And I give it to give it to Auburn. Just you know, they they're playing at home. They're going to have that hometown crowd behind them. Um, you know, big, big atmosphere. But I will say, you know, Auburn is going to have to figure out how to how to limit uh, Oscar Tshibwe from getting, you know, a lot of second chance points. Um, he's averaging almost 15 rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. So they're going to and a lot of those, you know, 15 rebounds are offensive rebounds. So they're going to have to limit those second chance, you know, kind of easy put back buckets um, if they want to have a real chance to win this game. <clears throat> I got to go with Colton here. I like Auburn in this game. Uh, they haven't lost since November 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And let's face it, the name Oscar Tshibwe is just fun to say. <laughs> um, you know, and that that, that loss that you take was a double overtime loss against UConn. So, I mean, this is a team that's that can win big games. Uh, this is a big game. You know, we're close to halfway through the season here. So, you know, I like, I like Auburn to pull this out at home. Mm-hmm. Next one on the slate, uh, Saturday game, West Virginia uh, at Texas, number 18th. Texas Tech, uh, Texas Tech's 14 and four, West Virginia's 13 and four. Um, so Colton, we'll let you get us started here. Yeah, I think the, the difference for me in this one is is Texas Tech's defense. Um, they're only allowing in the in the Big 12, they're only giving up less than 60 points per game mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Big 12, and you know, leading. I, I had that highlighted as lead, well. Leading the category or leading the Big 12 in that in that category, and I, I you know. Both these teams don't score the ball a lot, you know, don't score a ton of points. So I think it's going to be a close battle. But I think, uh, you know, Texas Tech gets the necessary stops that they need. I think Texas Tech wins wins it in a very, very tight, tight game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Matt, I, what you got? I've got almost an identical opinion there. And like I said, Texas Tech has averaged 74 points a game. West Virginia is only averaging 69. With Tech's defense being able to hold them to a little bit less even, I think it's going to be enough to get the job done in a close one. I got to agree with you on this. Um Although West Virginia has played really good against tough teams. You know, they took Baylor to the wire on Tuesday. I think lost by six points. Um, and, and three of their four losses have all been to ranked teams. Uh-huh. So, you know, they, they got a good – Huggy's got a good ball team there in Morgantown. So. I was going to say, I do hate to pick against the old Huggy Bear. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. Um, but, you know, Texas Tech has shown they can win big games. Mm-hmm. They've beaten, at the time, number one Baylor. Mm-hmm. They beat number six, Kansas. They beat number 13, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and number 15, Iowa State. Yeah, so, so a, lot know, of, a lot of ranked teams. Yeah, and, so. I, and I like Colton said, I like I like the fact that they're only giving up 58 points mm-hmm. on defense. So uh, I like Texas Tech in this game. Yeah. Um, then the evening game on Saturday, you got number 13, LSU, coming in at 15 and 3. They're going to be playing at number 24, Tennessee, coming in at 12 and 5. Mm-hmm. Um this was a game where, again, LSU's only given up 58 points a game. Um, two of their losses have been to, to good teams at Alabama and Arkansas. Uh, Tennessee's kind of coming in reeling a little bit. Um, 
three and three in their last six games. Uh, you know, but uh, and, and, and it seems like when they lose, it's because they're not scoring. Mm-hmm. I, and I know that sounds kind of obvious, but um, they lost um, two losses. They only scored 53 points. And then another one of their losses, they only scored 52 points in an overtime game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're not used to seeing that out of a Tennessee team. Usually, you know, we're used to seeing Tennessee teams being that run and gun and putting up. 75 80 points a game and they're just not doing that this mm-hmm, year so mm-hmm. so uh actually i like lsu in this matchup yeah i gotta i gotta agree with you on that one and i, I think the difference for me is you know it, it's strange because yeah tennessee's not scoring a ton of points but they're attempting almost 26 threes per game but here's the here's the kicker they only convert on less than 30 percent of those threes so they're they're just taking a lot of bad shots a lot of forced yeah. you know threes that they're not, you know, they're not good at, at making anyway. So why are you forcing yourself to shoot so many threes when that's not that's not mm-hmm. your game? That's not what you, you know, need to do. I think LSU gets a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit better in this in this matchup um, and, and gets the win, you know, on the road uh, at Tennessee. So. All right, very good. Yeah, I agree with both of you on this one. I'm going with LSU. I, I think for a slightly different reason. I think the stats say this is going to be a really close game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. LSU shooting slightly better from the free throw line. That's going to buy them a couple extra points in this thing. I, I think they win it from the free throw line. All right, good, de- good deal. Uh, and statistically, Tennessee has not been a good free throw shooting team Mm-mm. through the ages. So, yeah. um, last game, a late game on Saturday night out west. Um, you got number nine UCLA coming in at eleven and two versus a Colorado team that's twelve and four. Um, these two teams have had, you know, you look at the. They've only played 13 games and 16 games, respectively. Um, UCLA's had six games canceled this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado's had four games canceled. Um, but I think in this one, uh, I like the, the experience of the UCLA with Johnny Juzang and Tyler Ca- Tiger Campbell coming in, leading this team. They're scoring 81 points a game. Um, you know, one of their losses was to number one at the time, Gonzaga. So I, I like I like this game. Um, on the other hand, all four of Colorado's losses have been have been uh, two ranked teams, and they're actually playing tonight against a ranked team in number sixteen USC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta gotta agree with you. I like I like UCLA in in this one. Um, kind of kind of for the same reasons. Um, you know, they they shoot a lot of free throws. They they get to the free throw line about almost twenty two chances per per game and convert on you know seventy two percent of those uh, of those free throw attempts. So I just think that they're gonna you know force the upper hand to get, you know, some easy points or some easy points at the free throw line and, and, and be the difference one in, in this one and, and get the W over Colorado. Yeah, I, I'm with both of you on this one. I'm going to UCLA as well. They're uh, averaging four less turnovers per game than Colorado. They're scoring four more points per game than Colorado. I think it'll be close, but I think their defense gets the job done. All right, very All right. good. Well, I think that's a wrap-up of our show tonight. We went a little long because we took that week off. Felt like we had a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, we, we appreciate you hanging in there with us tonight and, uh, we'll let Colton sign us off here. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we thank you for listening to fire it up with your host, Colton Cal, chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. Um, you know, we hope you enjoyed our episode this week and, you know, if you, you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question that you want to hear us talk about on the, on the show, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram. Our, our handle is fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at fired up comma sports podcast you can find us you know our social media is there and reach out to us about you know potential future 
episodes or, you know, topics you want to hear us talk about. But uh, you can always uh, go over to our website, too, which is firedup1.podbean.com, and you can find all of our past episodes and a little bit of information about the show as well. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and as always, stay fired up.